we would be honored if you would. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where, you know, I'm just going to say it, the guests matter and the script doesn't. It's, we're just throwing it out. We're just going to wing it. That's right. We're winging it with uh, Willow Becker and Mike Clough that have started an amazing uh, publishing company. They also have a Kickstarter out there. Uh, and uh, there's a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about. I can't remember all of it just because it's so much. And if I tried to explain it all, my brain might explode much like um, that one movie with. Uh... Uh, brain scan? Scanners? No, Something with a brain and a scanner? Had, like Samuel L. Jackson and um, uh, Colin Firth and that other guy that played Elton John. Um, Kingsman. Oh, the Kingsman. That's the movie. Kingsman. That's right. <laughs> yeah. At the very end where everyone's brain just goes. <laughs> Uh, spoilers i haven't Spoiler. seen wow if you haven't seen that that's that's too bad it's like what three you know, or four years ago honestly that was probably my favorite samuel jackson movie yeah just samuel jackson, jackson with a lisp yep. yeah yeah when when his reaction when he kills somebody yeah and he starts to vomit <laughs> it's the best thing ever yeah. no fantastic crazy movie but anyways so let's talk about stuff where do we start? Who wants to to throw out the questions? Because Alton or Krebs, you guys want to throw out a question and we'll just start going. Yeah, uh, I'll jump right in. And one more just quick heads up uh, to our audience out there. You may have noticed that we have not yet responded to questions that we have asked you in the last two episodes. Please jump onto the Discord server and post some responses if you have not yet, because next week we're going to be answering a number of things as we take on new and exciting adventures. But as for tonight's subject, we are particularly excited to have our guests on because the folks over at Weird Little Worlds, right? I'm pronoun- yes. Okay. Uh, right. Publishing company. Thank you. I just, I always doubt myself as soon as I start to talk about somebody <laughs> else's thing. Um, fantastic little publishing group. We're very excited for them. They've recently launched a Kickstarter that is still going on right now. Check it out in the description go and back it. It's already fully funded. So you'll be able to get all kinds of cool rewards. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> look at that. Someone, are, someone just jumped on and got something else. That's why it's phone's ringing. <laughs> go hit those stretch goals, people. That's right. So I do want to make sure to give you just a moment to talk about the Kickstarter, what you're trying to accomplish and what some of the exciting rewards that our fabulous fans can enjoy. Uh, Heather, or excuse me, Willow, do you have any questions? Uh, any <laughs> Whatever input? your name is, just go. <laughs> no, don't uh, you get no, a new fine. name. You know what? We'll Every fix this in post. Never. We'll fix I'll, this in post. We've got crack editors. <laughs> Oh, that's gosh. fine I'll, I'll respond to basically anything i work um hey you girl girl face <laughs> please talk um yeah we're super excited about this uh this uh this anthology we're putting out um a brainchild that um that uh, mike and i'll uh kind of put together i had uh been pitching out uh, for a while before i um uh, kind of connected with him and then got together and we were talking about kind of what we wanted to do and I have a really strong background in horror and in, I'm you know been a part of the horror community for a long time and so I thought you know there is nothing that I want more than to make a horror anthology that is just awesome and scary and but fun that you know you read it and you you, you don't feel terrible when you're finished and uh, also something that you know I'm not worried about my 13 year old finding uh, and, and reading when I'm not around. So that's kind of our, our goal is we wanted to, we there, you know, there's a lot of horror out there that is trying to kind of push the limits of, you know, grotesquerie and, you know, what, what can I get away with? And we really wanted to make something that was scary and fun that reminded us of, you know, scary stories to tell in the dark, you know, that mm. kind of creepy, it's definitely scary and it creeps you out, but you also are, you know, it's, you know, you, you can go, you can go to sleep at night for the most part. Right. I I absolutely love it. And um, if you have not already clicked away to the Kickstarter and we know we give you permission right now to pause and do so feel free to come back, but I'm particularly enthralled by the name of this anthology. Humans (laughs) are the problem. Totally agree, especially with the kind of year that we've had. We see, in fact, that oftentimes the monster is already within us. Um, but I'm kind of curious, like, what's what's kind of the 
background to maybe choosing that title specifically you know you so, mentioned trying to humanize some of these horror stories so it's sort of interesting how when we came up with this title um i'm a fan of having a bit of a gimmick for our theme um i've done that in past project and uh willow came up with the idea we needed to talk about how monsters are being pushed out from their habitats and the world they're having to adapt to the world you know there's urbanization and, and population, human population. And it's just, how's that impacting the monsters? Is it, and, you know, Willow took it even to another further step of saying, hey, you know, people are always on their phones. They don't even notice them when the monsters like creeping up behind them. And then like the monster jumps out and the people are like, oh, I could, you know, on their phone. So uh, we were trying to find a, a name, really. I mean, we were coming up with, with all kinds of different things and all kinds of catchy things. And she's like, Mike, humans are the problem. Um, and she's like, I was like, yeah, they are. And she's like, no, that's the title. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. So that's, that's where it came from. And so, uh, and, and humans are the problem, a monsters anthology. So really the stories are supposed to inspire monsters, uh, to get their scary back, you know? So they, you know, it's a pick me up. It's, it's like chicken soup for the teenage soul, but instead it's like, human broth for the monster's soullessness i guess so um yeah that's that's where it came from i absolutely absolutely love it and i don't want to take too much time without passing on to dan or krebs to ask some questions as well but one of the other things that particularly stood out to me about your kickstarter is the way that you've segmented your funding and in particular that you are paying your authors you know professional wages instead of just pennies and dimes and just trying to get them to submit something in. Um, what's kind of the motivation for you behind utilizing Kickstarter as a platform? What are you trying to achieve? I think that's uh, like, honestly, that's really where Mike and I, I think where we really connected. So a little background for you, Mike, actually, and you guys probably know this, but Mike worked at this um, company before here at, at, called Fiction Vortex. And I am totally going to tell your story, Mike, sorry. <laughs> I told you a story about coming up with the, the title, so it's <laughs> sorry. I just it's fair game. So I so he worked this fiction vortex, and he ran this Kickstarter campaign, and I was so impressed by it. Not just that. Um, it was really that he did a really good job marketing it. I come from a really strong marketing background. That's what I do for a living as I do marketing. And so I loved his marketing. I thought he did a great job. And then I also loved the fact that he was paying his people an appropriate wage. And I was like, this is a big deal. Like there are a lot of Kickstarters where people are still paying you know, under wage, like a cent, one cent a word, three cents a word. And as writers, both Mike and I are, are writers. That's what we, you know, that's why we're doing this. Um, we have a really strong respect for people's time. We want stories that are worth the money that we're going to pay for them. Like we want professional stories. We want more than professional stories. And so we built into the Kickstarter that we'd start at the HWA, the Horror Writers Association professional wage, which is five cents a word. Um, mm. And then we would, we would move it forward. Like our goal is, you know, once, if once we hit all of our stretch goals, we make it all the way to $20,000, then we'll be able to pay eight cents a word, which is the um, science fiction writers. Uh, oh my gosh. SF. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Science Fiction Writers of America's their professional wage. So the goal is to make it all the way up to eight um, and, and get the very best stories. And right now, we already have some of the most amazing authors that are in this um, anthology. They're just really just some of the most exciting and innovative um, horror writers that are around right now. It's really, really exciting. I absolutely love it. You've got to support your artists if you want good art. You know, even though the muse may feed the soul, patrons feed the artists, right? Yeah, so, and I know Dan definitely is going to have some thoughts on this. Well, I, I was just going to say, uh, and I think one of the authors you have is Michael Brent Collins, which yes, on the show multiple times. He's a good friend, and he's probably one of the only horror writers that I've read that I literally am terrified to walk through my own home with the <laughs> lights out after reading his stories. So. Um, I can watch a horror movie, no problem, but I read one of his books and it's like, I'm a small child that has to have every light on as I move from my living room to my bedroom. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, 
seriously, he's he's brilliant. We have such a great um, we have such a great cast. Like I keep thinking of it like that, but there's such a great cast uh, roster of authors. Um, people, these are people who are per like. It's been so cool doing this because I have been writing horror and and reading horror my entire life. Like from the time I was eleven, when I first stole my first Stephen King novel, I have been reading horror secretly where people couldn't find me my entire life. And so uh, when I kind of branched out um, and got involved in the community, I started picking up all of these favorites. And I literally, when we were putting together the jacket of this book, I wrote my 10 favorite authors and I put that on the mock-up of the cover. And at this point, we have eight out of my 10. That's awesome. And we're talking to... <laughs> talking to the other ones so it's just really really phenomenal it actually feels really miraculous that it, it's almost as if i don't know it's just it's been a really really interesting experience almost as if there are you know forces at work that really want this thing to happen and, and i've just i've just been really surprised yeah no that's awesome so before i jumped in my questions so what was the first stephen king novel you read oh good question that was pet cemetery Oh. The scariest, I think, Stephen King novel ever written. Yeah, it, it, oh. It's good, but not. Oh, man. Okay. Well, so I'm, I'm open to suggestions. Let's I'll, ask I'll that question you. then. Like, what, what's the thing that really gets you about that story? Oh, my gosh. Um, honestly, I love I, I love all of it, but from reading it as an 11 year old, right? Yeah. So I think <laughs> there's a lot of parts about that book that are really terrifying. Um, the idea of loss, of course, loss is really terrifying. The sex was really terrifying. Uh, all of the sex in the book is terrifying. And so, <laughs> and there's not a lot of it, but all of those parts were like seared into my brain. But I think that the scariest part of it is that you take something, like you're trying to do a good thing mm -hmm. and even, it doesn't matter how, how good your intention is if the the ground is bad right so like there's this kind of deep truth that it doesn't matter what your intention is if you're burying it in bad tainted ground it's bad and it's going to destroy your life so there's like that deep kind of truth level that i just really love and of course i think the ending scene is just phenomenal i just think the end is just great yeah, cujo was terrifying for me yeah. oh really that's so funny because i just just dogs don't freak yeah. me out you know, I, I love dogs, and for a dog to go rabid and go, want to attack and kill me, yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I get it. I think, honestly, I, I, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, like everybody else who's ever really loved horror. And I, I, I love Pet Cemetery. I think it's terrifying. But I really I really like some of his work that's not horror, horror, horror yeah. a lot. Um, I love The Long Walk is one of my favorite books. Um, and if you have not read that one, that's a really good Yeah, even book. his Richard Bachman stuff is pretty Yeah, good. that's a that's a Bachman book. Mm -hmm. um, that Yeah, it's really, really good. But there are so many other horror authors. That's the thing. Like, we all get kind of entrenched because we've all read it, right? We've always, we've always seen it. But the, like, the authors that we have right now, these are, like, the new voices. And, like, seriously, people like Gabino Iglesias, who is just brilliant uh he put um out his book is called coyote songs um and he's amazing and philip fricasi uh who is also just a terrifying writer and then my fate my i can't say my favorite but i love gamma files i think she is such a fantastic storyteller and um of course we have like lisa morton who is a six-time bram stoker award winner and we have sarah reed who is just got the most lovely prose but it's also just so unsettling and john langan oh my gosh you guys anyway i keep talking about people who maybe you don't know but nope. these people are really amazing writers they're just so so good john langan wrote um the fisherman who he won the bram stoker award i think in 2019 2019 uh, for the fisherman and it's just phenomenal it's this great fisherman's like you know tale and there's just all of these uh stories within stories it's a, it's called frame narrative and so there's all these frame narratives right a guy's telling a story to a guy who told him a story about this guy who told a story about this guy that, that saw this thing and it's just so awesome wow. it's so great the legs on this project are 
super amazing i'm so excited for this seriously like there is so much like good mojo oh there's so much good mojo on it i i am i'm just super surprised and there are things that i can't talk to you about this project because they're not solidified yet but we have other things coming people coming on the project that are gonna blow they're gonna it's just gonna blow your mind they're just it's just a huge, huge project. And now we're back to the beginning of the episode where I said my head's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, it, it's, it's great. It sounds like a terrific project. It sounds like uh, you've got a great bunch of writers for this project. Uh, you know, and as Alton said earlier, it's fantastic that you're actually paying your writers uh, a good wage. I mean, as a writer, you put all this blood, sweat, tears up part of your soul, it seems like, into your work. And then you hand it off, hoping people will like it and that you'll get credit for it. And there, there's some places out there, you just, you wait forever and nothing trickles in and you're like, what the heck? And uh, so it is nice to get something, uh, get paid for that and know that, hey, okay, people are valuing my work and, and what I've done. So that's fantastic that you guys are doing that. Yeah. And that's, so- that's- that's actually a big tenet of our of our press in general. Um, it's not just going to be for this project um, alone. It's something that we want to carry through because uh, we we know that as we do that, it's a good thing that we're putting out, and good things will come back. And we hope it comes back in the quality of the stories that we can tell, and and enabling us to to have even more not necessarily influence in the in the reading community but influence in the the fact that we can um help more authors out and make it more successful yeah i mean we want to be successful in it ourselves but we also want to make sure that everybody that's on on the team with us has that success too and uh, make it a a great experience for everybody not just for for somebody that's sitting in the in the office typing away these uh you know kickstarter campaigns and stuff like that we want to make it it's a team effort yeah no i agree you know i mean even though you guys are doing kind of the hard heavy lifting as the publishing company you know these writers have you wouldn't be able to do it without them you know uh they're kind of the founding stones yeah exactly absolutely yeah it's it's really funny i i was thinking about that today about mike it has this thing where he sets up um, a, a Facebook group, a private group for all of our authors. And I was thinking how cool that is because a lot, because writing is so um, isolating. It's such an isolating task. You know, you do it inside of your own head. You do it inside of your own office where there's no one around. And I think horror is even more isolating. I think there's a tendency for horror writers to be even more kind of um, caged you know, about what it is they're doing. Um, and, and it's not everybody, but I think that for me, uh, there's a little bit of like, why am I doing this? Like, mm. I should be writing fairy tales. You know, I, I, I should be writing nice stories, <laughs> but, um, but I don't, I just don't do that. I write, you know, I write stories that, uh, that creep me out and I, I like doing that, you know? Um, but I think that it's cool to have, um, a, a, a project like this and a company like this where really we really do want people to be able to collaborate and talk to each other and connect with each other if they want to. And um, and that's a really cool thing uh, for people who don't always get to collaborate. And hopefully that's something that we kind of move forward with. Just I just think that it's wonderful to to be able to talk with people who are at your same level and you know, connect if you want to. Yeah, no, I, I know Michael Brent's been on the show many times and he's related stories where his his in-laws have come to his wife and said, are you okay? Are, are you really okay? Yeah. You know, because they've read his books and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he jokes about it all the time. But I mean, there is kind of that awkwardness because you're, you know, horror writers are writing some really creepy, I mean, even when I was writing my second book and, it, you know, it's urban fantasy and I'm looking up, how to poison people and the, you know, how people react to certain poisons. And I wrote out that whole scene and I'm like, that was really cool, but there's no way I'd ever want to do that. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure whoever, you know, is monitoring my Google search is like, should we be worried about this guy? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I can only imagine some of the Google searches that you do 
uh, writing horror. But um, no, but it Maybe. is fun. I, I do like when we're collaborating. I know when we do the show and we're talking. I mean, I you know I, I I'm the writer. Uh, Krebs is pretty much you know he's the film major guy, and Alton's the game master. Uh, you know, even though we're all from kind of a different section when we collaborate together, we come up with some really amazing ideas. Um, and even if it's just horror writers and fantasy writers, just in the same room talking, sometimes some really amazing ideas can boil out of that. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and that's really one of the things that, that ties us together is that love of story and being able to like yeah. see all of these threads going through the world and pull them together into a cohesive little place it, and it's just such a fun thing, um, especially as we work with other storytellers and professionals that are out there doing the thing to be able to be a thread in that tapestry yeah. is so much fun. So definitely be checking out the Kickstarter, guys. Thank you. Yes. We'll go to Krebs. And, you know, uh, I, I have every time we have authors on the show, I there are certain questions I have to ask because I find these I find these threads of thought to be absolutely fascinating. And so this isn't necessarily about the Kickstarter itself or the anthology that's forthcoming, that sort of thing, which I think, by the way, congratulations on that big, big to do. That is so awesome. Especially but you, ha you, you have today. both. Go ahead. I was saying, especially that they did what, in two days? You funded yeah. in two days? Yeah, yeah, funded in like two days, which is fantastic. So yes, uh, I'm definitely going to creep in on those stretch goals myself. Um, so now... Now, Willow and Mike, you're both published authors at this point. Is that correct? Um, I have a couple of short stories out there. I don't have anything. That, 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 that counts. That, that counts. That counts. It's that counts. It counts. And you wrote it. It's published. And the, That's right. In the past, in my past life, Willow mentioned Friction Vortex. That 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 company focused strongly on the sort of the multiverse collaboration aspect because like Alton was saying the the connecting threads and being in the same world with other people and connecting it and developing it that's that's my jam I can do that all day like one point in time before that company Fiction Vortex went down we actually had five or six different um, episodes of a podcast called uh, world building podcast uh, our world build, world building sessions. And so it was just, you know, world BS is what we called it. Um, and uh, so that that's my thing. I love that, that getting in and, and developing worlds. And that's what we did in that company. We had what was called story verses. And that was everybody was writing their own series within a shared story world. Um, um, and it's, it's, it's so fun just to just hash out worlds with other people. I mean, I guess it's, it's my, it's my version of tabletop gaming is trying to sit down and just really develop a world with other people. Um, but yeah, just to go back to, yeah, I, I have a few stories out there and then a, a few episodes of a, of a <clears throat> we did everything in episodic fiction, uh, a few episodes of a, of a series I was writing out there. Excellent. Excellent. So the, the questions that I like to ask of authors when they come on the show uh, one of them is, have you, did, did you have that moment in any of your stories? Doesn't matter which one it is. Did you have that moment where you found that you were writing something and you didn't want the story, you, you, like emotionally, you didn't want the story to go that way, but you knew it had to go that way. Have you ever written something where you're like, this is the story that needs to be told, even though I hate everything I'm doing right now to this character? So- I have a story, yeah, um, and it's one of those episodes I was talking about. Uh, the in the story, there's you know giant spiders attacking people and and things like that that happen. But the story starts off in this colonized in the space colony, and you know this this little boy's over at his neighbor's house because his mom and dad are busy. The mom's having a baby, and so uh, they're they're going to bed, and he's sharing the room with this other family's little boy. Um, who's like, you know, a year old and giant spiders attack and just basically kill everybody off. But the boy that's staying with that family. Um, and I wrote that story and I'm like, if the family dies, that means the baby died. And at that time, um, my son, my second son was just around that same age. 
and I'm like, why am I writing this? And it was really hard. Um, and I've, I've talked about this in some panels before, but I, I couldn't write the actual scene of the little boy, um, the little baby dying. I just, I just couldn't. So um, I had basically the floor falls out from underneath the house. And when the, the dad comes to rescue his, uh, his son, the dad from the other house comes to rescue his son, he looks down, there's just the baby's bed, it's empty. And that's where I leave the scene, it's just the empty bed. And it was really hard. Um, I, 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 I don't think I could ever write anything like that again, nor would I want to. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one example of sometimes writing makes you do weird things and it takes you places where you don't want to go. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> well, father to father, I can tell you that was a very brave move. Like that was that would be a very difficult thing. Sorsha, what about you? What's the most difficult thing that you've had to write, even though? Sorsha. Oh, Sorsha. <laughs> Even though... uh, sure, Willow. Um... <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm glad you guys caught on to that. No, no, no. Uh, earlier, Alton got it called Willow I, I, Heather. What? I, no. I, 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 I love am that now... you called me Sorsha. Like, I am yeah. so, I am so flattered. Like, no, I don't worry. I'm gonna Malcolm, call you by I really different. appreciate that a lot. You know, you're it, referring to these events, but like, there's just no record of there's no way anybody there's no can way. ever know no way point, i'm leaving it all in it's not yeah, so, edited nothing's out. getting edited out no i want so, you to know just, just as a heads up uh i'm gonna call you by a different female name from the film yeah. willow for the rest of the show <laughs> i hope you can think of one because i've I got a list there. i've got a so, list okay all right I, yeah, I don't think you understand the severity of your situation now, Willow. I'm think... so excited. Like, I, I literally, I just think that uh, that's just the nicest name anyone's ever accidentally called me. That's that... funny. I've known Willow for, like, <laughs> we've been working on this for a year or so. And Willow is actually, the movie Willow is actually my favorite movie of all time. <gasps> That's nice. another episode. I didn't know that. I, I, and that's the funny thing because every time I hop on, I'm like Willow. I want to. I just, I don't. She was gonna get that stuff all the time where people would bug her about it. So you know, anytime I just something happens, pops up in my head when we're talking, like I'm like Willow, you idiot, you know, stuff like that. So you know, my entire life, actually, yes, your entire life. Who's ever done that? You know, I, I know we're on a thread here, but let's just run with it for a second. So uh, <laughs> I saw Willow in theaters when it was brand new. Yep, it okay. uh, I remember seeing it at my, my parents' house. We just recently got a VHS. I was living in Texas. I was, I mean, it came out in what, 1980, was it 82? It was 88. It had to be 88. 88, 88. okay. It was 88. Yeah. No, I saw it in the theater then. We would have seen it in the theater then. And I loved it. I hated the trolls. I just couldn't stand the trolls. Those trolls were awesome yeah. and scary. Yeah, then they turned into the, that Hydra. Mm. You could and smell that's them. The thing. That's the weird the thing. People with heads. That was oh, the most spoilers, disgusting guys. thing ever. And then the heads ripped the skin off, and I'm like, and my parents are like, yeah. yeah. And then you became a horror writer. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, my gosh, I I got I got I got stories up in there about that. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I I was severely emotionally damaged as a very young child um nice uh, by... keep going yeah <laughs> so i i like seriously i have thought a lot about this but um i had a number of i think that in order to become a horror writer you either have to have an incredibly traumatic event as a child um or a very bad babysitter or I both sisters uh, yeah, and I actually had uh, a series of very bad babysitters. Yikes! So um, I I like I I think I watched Poltergeist when I was three. <gasps> yes, and you and me I both, saw, kid. Oh yeah, and then I saw Evil Dead when I was four. Oh, even better! I love no. Evil Dead. <laughs> I mean, like, not it, when you're four. It, it messed it messed me up in such a huge, massive way. Um, I think that the only the only things I could possibly have done were become like uh, like I don't know a nun or a horror writer. Like you had to kind of pick. Like you're either gonna go, I gotta get away from this as quickly as possible, or I just gonna dig right into it. And what I did is I was so scared. I actually I recall I was four years old and we lived in this trailer, 
And at nighttime, um, the trailer would do this weird thing where the wind would hit the screen. Have you ever had this happen? Mm. Oh, yeah. The wind will hit the screen. Yep. The wind will hit the screen and it'll go, ooh, like, right? Like, it's super scary. Yep. And so when you're four, I was like, oh, there's definitely ghosts. They're definitely here. And so what I would do is I would stay in my bed and I would be paralyzed with fear. And I would be like, ghosts, I am your friend. I am mm. on your side you should not kill me. I love ghosts. And that is what I did. <laughs> and I now I brainwashed myself, actually. Yeah, no, you you chose your team. It was a clear <laughs> choice. I it wasn't brainwashing. My team. Yeah, um, that was the team I picked. All right. So, so uh, but yeah, there's rumors that Ash Bruce Campbell's going to show up as Ash in the new Doctor Strange yes. movie. There are. I've seen those. Yeah, oh. I, about that. I actually met his wife. Bruce Campbell. Uh huh. I went to his house. It was really he, nice. He actually leaned on my shoulder and got into a fake fight with Michael Rosenbaum in front of me in the middle of an interview. Oh, okay. That was kind of fun. You win. <laughs> yeah. That's anytime, awesome. anytime Dan accidentally cuddles with a celebrity, he wins. I yeah. know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the guy that played Howard from Big Bang Theory sat in the golf cart. It was at Comic Con. Oh was my awesome. gosh! That's is this cool. like a setup for like an epic joke? I seriously, we have the YouTube video, <laughs> but it sounds like one, doesn't it? Bruce Campbell and Mike Rosenbaum get into a fight in a bar. And Howard sits at a golf cart. <laughs> uh, I don't have a punchline for that yet. I have to work on that. I have to work. Something to develop balls, that one. I assume. <laughs> That's when Raj comes in and gives the punchline, except he can't because there's a girl in the room. Oh, right. There yes, you go. That's or right. Sheldon. So, so back to you, Bev Morta. So we, I, I'm really curious, like, when did you, okay. So that moment when you had your first cathartic moment writing mm -hmm. horror, you told us about reading horror in, in your youth. What about your first cathartic moment writing horror? When was that first like mm -hmm. ultimate high? Oh my gosh. That's a really hard question. Yeah. Um, I have to think because I've been writing stories for a really long time. And it probably goes back to like when I was really young. Cause I started writing when I, I mean, like I was picked out as a, as a grade schooler, I was a gifted and talented kid. And so I, I was picked out and put into like fast track. I did a bunch of writing in my fast track classes. And so I got to, I won this contest when I was young. Um, and I would have to say that's probably the answer. It's not horror though. So. I have to move forward. I'm going to go forward. I'm actually answer the real question, which is the first time that's happened when I was writing horror. Um, and I wrote a story um, called Cashmere, actually, about a woman who is, um, she's, um, uh, she's a drug addict and she lives on the street and she gets um, approached. So she, she's living with this dude and they live under like a bridge and she gets approached by this guy in a trench coat. And he's like, I'll pay you a hundred dollars if you drown the guy you're with. And so <laughs> that's the story. Da -da 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 -da. Um, <laughs> the more, you the know, more you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, well, it's a hundred dollars. So, um, so yeah, so that's the story. I, I can't, it's not, it's not been published. Uh, it was, I, at first, uh, various reasons I kept it, but, um, the, the end of the story is very cathartic for me because it's a really story about a transition. It's about hope and it's about, um, making choices. Right. So she has this kind of, she has no money. She's dying clearly of her abuse and her addiction. She gets this opportunity to take this money and she realizes that this is kind of her way out like she could possibly you know try to start again um and so there was a lot of catharsis there because at the end of that story you realize that she really has this entire life that when you first at the first blush you you can only see her addiction you can only see all of the flaw of in her mm. but as you move through the story you realize that she is like she's a mom that she's a daughter that she's um a, a human that she's kind of lost her humanity. And in the process of the story, she regains some of that humanity. And that's the kind of story that I really, that I really love in horror is 
Um, as I hate, I, I just, I don't love horror that's just kind of schlocky. It always right. needs to have kind of a bigger, a bigger reason. Like there needs to be something more for me. I want to have like an experience. So I think that was the first time as I realized that I was really writing myself. I was writing a redemption story for my own self for the parts of me that I felt were irredeemable and I don't know people sometimes don't like that in a horror story but I, I don't hate that's it much no, that's I beautiful am... yeah and I'm deeply glad that it has a cathartic ending and a cathartic meaning to you um I did not in fact mean to dehumanize you by forgetting <laughs> your name and I'm glad that it was a cathartic thing and not just like a I killed a guy who, you know, <laughs> I might be that guy under the bridge one day. Hopefully not. I, I just know, want to apologize. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Her next story may include a guy named Alton. That's uh, right. I will. Uh, maybe we need to make that the pledge, you know, drown Alton under the bridge. <laughs> so, so here's this thing. I'm thinking about doing some limited run merch. Um, what does it say? Oh, it's reversing <laughs> the screen. <laughs> Not on our end. No, it's not. It's only oh, okay. on your Willow is not, in fact, Heather. You know, yeah, it's so hilarious, it's a, it's a Alton. I, says, I want you to... <laughs> Go ahead. It's, it's a t-shirt that says, Reminder, colon, Willow is not, in fact, Heather. True. So... You know what we need to I do? Want... On the, and then on the back, you need to list every name that Krebs called it. <laughs> exactly, with the DCR logo at the top. <laughs> I think it'd be hot. And it's I, a it, it deep cut for the fans. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I feel like um, I, I want you to know that you are definitely not the first person who's called me Heather. And of the oh. names that I get called, Heather is the number one. Uh, and oh. then Laurel is number two okay. because they're both plants. And both, <laughs> I don't know. They're both plants. No. I don't know why people call me Heather and Laurel, but they do. There, so. there is nothing more amazing than the smell of Scottish Heather. So, hey. There you go. There you go. There you go. And I want you to know that I will never do that to you. Nope. Uh, not that two of two of uh, the three hosts have more class. <laughs> the third one just cracks jokes. I love it. That's right. Call me whatever. I, 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 you probably should call me Pig Beast next. I just can't think of another woman. Oh, oh there's more. There's oh, more. no, no. I have a few more up my sleeve. So don't you worry about it. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Kids. I got another problem. I do know a couple yes, more. I Sorry, know I you know. I know you know. Don't worry. You're going to, oh, you're going to hear these. Like, yeah, I've got this. All right. So uh, this next question goes to Mike, though. I would like to ask the question of um, what do you find to be truly scary? This is something that Kaya brought up a moment ago when she was saying how like most horror is extremely schlocky. Right. And I totally agree with that. I think I think that in especially in American pop culture, horror tends to be pardon the expression, folks, gore porn or splatter punk or jump scare the movie. Um, you know, but there's in terms of true terror, true, like that got down to my soul that made me feel uncomfortable. That makes me feel vulnerable and victimized, but like in a fun roller coaster kind of way. Uh, what do you find to be truly terrifying when you're reading, when you're watching a movie, when you're listening to audiobooks, any of that? What do you find to be truly horrifying, Mike? Um, you know, there was a commercial once I saw where this guy was like busting in his house. And the phone was ringing and he's just like throwing everything on the keys, keys of the, in onto the, like the, his armoire. And he's like running past his dog and throwing his groceries down. And everybody thinks he's coming in for the phone, but he runs into the bathroom. And I find that terrifying being without a bathroom when I need it. <laughs> <laughs> that was well played. I did not, I did not see that one uh, heading my way. That was pretty good. Min, what about is, you? I guess the true thing. Um, no, if I was to answer that question truthfully, um, which could probably stem from that is not having control, being in a situation where I don't have control. Um, and, and uh, the, if there's a scary movie or something like that where somebody just really doesn't have control, um, it, it messes with me. Like, I mean, probably the one of the first ones that really got to me was the Pit and Pendulum by, by Poe. You know, the guy's trapped there and then that thing's swinging down and the rats are on him and I'm just like, you can't get out. Uh, you know, that feeling of being trapped and not being able to, you know, I, I, ugh, it just drives me nuts. I mean, I think of movies like, you know, if you're, you know, you see these things where the astronaut like floats off, you know, gets blasted away and it's still alive and 
I'm like, you know, how long is this oxygen going to last? And he's just stuck in space and he can't do anything about it. He's going to die. The inevitable is going to happen. And the madness that's going to pursue in those moments before he dies, you know, are they going to find peace or are they just going to just completely lose it? And it's just, it goes into not just being able to move physically, but just the, the psychological aspect of not being able to get out of the situation that you're in. And that can be something like, even like Willow's story where she's talking about the lady that's stuck under the bridge in that horrible life. I mean, that type of thing terrifies me. Uh, I was just going to jump in and add, uh, you know, I've seen so many horror movies. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't get scared by them often, but the ones that terrify me the most, you know, are like Darkness Falls, where all the death scenes happen off screen and you just hear the sound. Yeah. You know, my imagination just takes over at that point. Uh, Hitchcock, man, I love his stuff. It's it's terrifying. But again, you don't see a lot of the death scenes. It's sound and action and, and things that give that sequence. So, you know, when you mentioned that story you wrote and all you see is the empty bed of the child at the bottom of the pit. Matt, you don't need any more than that. That just conveys enough um, that's terrifying. Um, you know, that's one of my biggest fears is one of my children dying. And, you know, you writing that, not putting it into words, but just doing that, that's enough to convey that message. So Absolutely. I don't think you need to have, you know, the Saw version of, of a story. Uh, those those movies I hate because it's like, it's, it's literally blood splattering and whatever. There's no... <laughs> there's nothing that's, for my imagination that's not terrifying that's not scary to me that's revolting yeah and yeah, I think it's, yeah. Just, it's causing a reaction in me that i'm just like oh you know i i flipped through channels once and came across the house of a thousand, a thousand corpses you know the rob zombie movie and i watched an hour of that and i oh, i'm never again no i mean that's not my that's not my thing i wouldn't i don't get into that at all it's it's the letting my mind go yeah. and where it's almost like hey i'm terrified of the, the the dark places my mind can take me yeah so well i mean what, what what's that movie uh is it house on the hill or something that has liam neeson and Catherine zeta jones and owen wilson uh, house, house on, on haunted hill. hill yeah house on haunted oh, hill. yeah house on hill. that one you it's not there's not a lot of gore in there but just seeing the terrified statues of the children's faces and then you know the room changing and stuff like that is terrifying. I mean, I think, I feel like that movie is more terrifying than anything just because of just the elements they used without using gore. They conveyed in a beautiful story that had you on edge and you still at the end, it was kind of a redemption story at the two because she ended up being there to protect the children and stuff. Um, go ahead, Krebs. You know, as a fellow horror fan, uh, I, I'm with you on this one, Daniel. I have actually found in the last several years that horror movies which i've i i love i adore them they don't really scare me anymore except with very rare exception and i think that the secret sauce now um and we can talk about the psychology of, of the masses and all this stuff but i i think really the secret to terrifying someone is you have to unlock dread dread is the thing that terrifies people you have to find what makes them dread the next outcome and then you have to like string that along as long as you reasonably can before you get to something more dreadful than what they thought right. you have to and, and there's always like that high and that low and that's a very common thing especially in jump scares build all this build all this anticipation a little bit of music and then oh, there's like a breath and then there's like quiet and all of a sudden bah, 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 you know and uh, jump scares are so cheesy but that formula works if you can do it with psychology as opposed to like orchestra hits. And I think coupled with that is the hope is when you give people hope and then you take yes. it away from them again. Yeah. Yes. In fact, actually, you know, I think one of the scariest movies I've ever seen, I know we're talking about movies and we've got authors here. Place again, aren't you? Uh, no, although I do love A Quiet Place. I think A Quiet Place is brilliant and masterful and everyone should love it. Um, but no, actually the scariest uh, one of the scariest movies I ever saw, it was it was back when like J, uh, Japanese and, and Korean psych horror was just hitting the American shores. And so you had like The Ring. And I, I remember the seeing The Ring. Right. Yeah, The Ring messed me up. But then I saw The Grudge and yes. The Ring was nothing. No, The Grudge no. 
was way scary. I mean, all you hear is, ah. Well, okay, that's all I hear when you do it. The premise of the grudge, the whole idea that something that is traumatic and awful can leave an imprint, that's what messed me up. I grew up in a haunted house. Oh, so did I. And it wasn't the imprint that was left wasn't dramatic or awful. It was just there was an old lady and there was in the, in the, in the, there was a built-in ironing board in the in the wall oh and there's multiple times that we'd walk around the corner across the room no one wouldn't even fall we would just see her there ironing just for a split a second just see her there oh my gosh she'd done that enough that you'd see her and that's the creepy thing because we remodeled that house and that ironing board was gone and where that ironing board was there was a staircase there was stairs there and we'd still see her just that is so cool man oh my gosh dan alton that's a new episode right there we have to have real life ghost stories as an episode no i mean the house i grew up in same thing you know uh my great-grandmother was blind and she actually died of a heart attack a massive heart attack in the house and if we didn't put the dog dish in the, the spot it always was, you'd randomly hear the dog dish and the, the water bowl get kicked out and it would be across the floor. Um, you know, you'd hear people pacing up and down the, the, the hallway upstairs. It, yeah, I get okay. it. But, but that concept of something traumatic happening that causes a stain in the fabric of the world. Yes. I mean, it's, it's true. You go to yeah. battlefields, you go to places where horrible things have happened and you still can feel it. It's yeah. something that goes against like nature and it tears and it causes that. And the grudge messed with me because I was like, if it could become personified and turn into that. Yeah. No, the grudge totally messed me up. Finn Rizel, what's the thing that you find most terrifying in uh, your horror media? <laughs> well, I, I honestly believe that humans are the problem. I, I mean, like, out of all of the things in all of the universes, the bottom line is that the scariest thing is actually what people do to other people. And yeah. that's the legitimate, honest truth. So, like, we talk about Saw as being kind of torture porn, and it is, um, you know, but the, I mean, the idea that is behind that is very, is very, very real. I, I cannot tell you how much i was affected by going to the museum of torture in san francisco oh that's downtown on the pier if you've ever been down there yep it's right next to the wax museum yeah and they have all these real live torture implements and they tell you exactly how they did all of these and and it's just terrible so i think that there are actually only two things that really terrify me and one of them is that the just people are just there is no end of the depth of depravity here on this plane of existence which sucks and that's kind of the way it's supposed to be but it, it still is the worst and the other thing is that um because i have mental illness i am always um i'm always really cre- i'm really terrified by things that make me question my reality so psychological horror slipstream horror that kind of stuff is terrifying to me and um there's a couple of books that are really really good i uh, read um mirror mirror by graham masterson which actually was like totally tripped me out it was a very very creepy story um about halfway through i was just like i don't think i could go to sleep and then uh, another really good one is house of leaves by um daniel Lusky. i can't remember his first name uh but anyway that book is ridiculous like it is such a good book. It is brilliantly developed and it is designed to literally break down the mind of the person reading it, which is just brilliant. Like by the time you actually reach the end of that book, your brain is so soft that it is very difficult to really kind of capture your own grip on reality. I don't know. Like it's really brilliant book. So all of the all of my scariest ideas that are still to come are all based on this idea of um, undermining people's version of reality and making them question it. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant. Beta read it for you on that Willow. I'm yeah. <laughs> I already have. I already have enough doubts about that. So I don't <laughs> just destroy people's realities. Just so. I know, I know. We get, we got to wrap it up. We could end up talking all night. Um, this, this is fantastic. Uh, so, guys, gals, 
people that are not humans because apparently we're the problem. If you're listening to this episode through the airwaves or if you're aliens out in the other, around the universe and, and hey, jump on the internet and order this book. I mean, jump on. Uh, jump on the Kickstarter. Be a contributing member to get a copy of the, uh, of the book and get the pants scared off you. I mean, make it so that you have to walk from your living room to your bedroom with the lights on because that's the only way to read a horror story is to be scared. Once again, that Kickstarter is Weird Little Worlds. You can find it on Kickstarter very easily with those three little words. I'd like to say a very special thank you to our guests, Mike Clough and Alora Dannon. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Mad Mardigan. I really appreciate it. Do you have more? I mean, is there more you can kick out before we? Uh, yes, yes. The fairy queen, the fairy queen is Shalendria, and even though it's the name of a city, there's a very uh, beautifully feminine name for a city, Tirislin. Oh, I would I have leaned Tiris. on that if I had to. If yeah, I had I to, I would have put that one. Naya, and his wife. I did. I did call her Kaya earlier in the show. No, Naya. No, Kaya. Yeah, Kaya. What? Kaya. Oh, and Mims. Oh, I called you. I called you Mims earlier in the show. Oh, you win! I, I did. I called you Mims. Okay, so just so you guys know, I don't know if you've been keeping track with the fact that Disney Plus is going to be doing another Willow. I have indeed. Have you seen who's going to be cast in it? Some of the people. Uh, no. Not yet. I know so, that. Yeah, I know Warwick Davis so coming back. The, the actress that's in that plays the the lead flag smasher and. Uh, Falcon oh, to soldier. Yeah, yeah. And Infant's Nest, she is going to be in that. Oh, <gasps> I'm in. Man, yeah. she was in Solo and now she's in Winter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she was in Solo and now yeah. she's Carly in Falcon I mean, Winter Soldier. I really hope I'm really hoping that she's the daughter of Sorsha and Mad Mardigan. I'm really I hope that too. I also hope that like all of these amazing actors and actresses just stay off of Twitter long enough to finish the show. Yes. Good golly. Yeah. Oh, I can't All take right, any more. But so, friends, we're even though we've got plenty more to talk about on that front, so and I'm much, sure so after much. the recording stops, we will have a few minutes of fun left. Yes. Nevertheless, there is an important question that we must pose to all of the dungeon crawlers out there. Oh, yes, please do. Server. And dungeon crawlers, the question we want to ask to you is the most pertinent to this episode, which is, what is the thing that truly horrifies you? What is the thing drives you to that edge let us know please keep it pg and kind to each other don't be mean but by all sakes have some good fun with us share some of your scary feelings thoughts experiences fears etc and give us a chance to revel with you in the delights of being horrified needles it's just that needles <laughs> spiders one. made of needles oh <laughs> uh, yeah anyways so with that said folks uh like we've already said multiple times jump on the kickstarter help fund this and stay tuned because next week we'll have author tracy hickman on the show to talk about Dragonlance. and with that said we'll catch you next time in dungeon crawlers whether it's a fairy tale or an amazing piece of horror tell your story whatever may come and it doesn't matter if you're a Daikini, an Elwin, a Nelwin, excuse me, or a Brownie. Yeah. Be epic. Don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you. Always.